Our portion today is from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8. Concerning this thing, and he's speaking of this thing, a thorn in the flesh, a physical infirmity, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me, and he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. You got an answer from the Lord about your prayer, but it's not the answer that you were looking for. You asked for healing, and the Lord answered and said, I'll give you the grace to deal with it. You said, please remove this, and the Lord said to you, I'm going to bring you through it. I'm not going to take it away but I'm going to provide to you the grace and the strength that you need. That's the situation that Paul was in as he writes this to us. Are you surrendering your will to God? Do you see the situation? You have your will, you have what you want, and then you have what what God has told you, that you're not going to be healed. It's right here in the Word of God. So now there could be an impasse, couldn't there? It must happen that you surrender your will to God, or you won't move forward in your faith. I ask you, first of all, are you surrendering your will to God's will? When your will fits into God's will, you're saying, this is awesome. What I want is what God says is going to happen. My desires are fitting right into what he says. My hopes and my dreams are God's hopes and dreams. This is sweet. You've been there before. But here in this situation, Right before you in the word of God, your will is up against God's will. And he's told you no. Now, he hasn't just told you no, but he has said there's another way. That's where Paul was. Now, Paul was a soldier. He wasn't a sissy. And if you read the last chapter, he went through a ton of persecution for the sake of the gospel. Do you think that he came through all of that physically unscathed? Do you think that he came through all that imprisonment and all those beatings and that shipwreck coming out of there with no injuries? You don't think he was on the injured reserve list? He wasn't on the reserve list. He was still in the game. You don't think that many of his ailments had to do with actually pressing forward and serving God? Say certainly they would have. At this point in your life, if you're not aware of your physical weakness, if this teaching about the thorn in the flesh isn't really hitting home with you, it will at some point in the future. First of all, persecution brings ailments. We can see the course of our country that they are not gladly receiving the truth of Jesus, and they won't gladly receive us because we're bearing his truth. And with that comes suffering. With that comes sickness, injury, disease, separation, and injury, does it not? And even if you don't experience severe persecution the way the apostle Paul did, still a thorn in the flesh is just coming, right? It's coming with age, isn't it? More and more things. We're we're hurting. We're not who we used to be. You know, you're not the young buck that you used to be strutting around without your shirt on and thinking, man, I'm so strong, right? Some guys are identifying with that. (laughs) Are you surrendering to God's will? Now, so much of this has to do with faith. Do you believe that 
as the Lord has said, you will bear this thorn in the flesh. Do you believe that his grace sufficient and his perfect power are available? Because God didn't just say no. He said, I'm going to give you something instead. Isn't that what he says here in his word? Will you trust him? Will you let him pour his grace, his sufficient grace into your life? Will you let his power rest upon you? Will you trust him for tomorrow, even though today is really, really difficult? And he's told you that you're on a path that you even dread. Are you surrendering your will to God's? We can spend a lot of time being downcast, and the world wouldn't blame us for it. The world would say, oh, you deserve to be down right now. Look at your physical situation. Look at how badly you're hurting. But the word of God says here that we don't need to be downcast, even in our physical suffering, even in our struggles. His grace is sufficient and his power is abundant. So lift up your head. That's the reality of what God has provided to you. And this is one of the most difficult things to live out, but it's a life-changing truth. Jesus is our comfort. Jesus is our rest. God, by your grace, you've given me the power to go through this physical ailment, but not just to survive, but to be stronger than ever before. At the time of this writing, if you look at verse 8 and the beginning of verse 9, Paul is looking back and clearly seeing what God has done. He is looking back at his request and how God denied it, but told him that he would give him grace and power instead. And he has this amazing vantage point. He has this vista point where he's looking at his life and saying, look at who God is. Look at his grace in my life. Look at what he's worked through this weakness, through this pain, and through this struggle. He's looking upon it from a totally different perspective, but I want you to notice this, that he's still currently bearing the thorn. He's still in pain, right? Very impactful. We have the capacity, one to another, and I hope that a lot of this encouragement goes on. I know that some of it does. We have the capacity to encourage one another in our infirmities. But let's not be insensitive about it. Let's not lack understanding. If God has healed you, that's not the same thing as God telling someone that he's not going to heal them. If you're still, if you're testifying about a time that the Lord has touched you and healed you, he's brought you through disease, injury, or sickness, that's wonderful. You should give him praise. But realize just because God said yes to you, it doesn't mean that he won't say no to your, your fellow Christian, to your brother in Christ, to your sister in Christ. And right now, you don't know what they're going through. You're not living in their pain. God didn't call you to continue for the rest of your life in sickness, but he did call them to that. So do you see how if we're not paying attention we can think that we're providing comfort when really we're being pretty insensitive. Don't be that. Everything's good with me, so you should trust God, Christian. Have you met one of those before? Have you been one of those before? I'm all good, so you should trust God in the middle of your pain and your heartache. Even if you're not currently living with a thorn in the flesh, a physical ailment that God is giving you the grace to endure, you can st still speak the truth in love. You can still live in understanding and compassion towards one another, can't you? Saying, I don't know what you're going through. 
but Jesus does. And in your weakness, his strength is made perfect. I can't feel where you are. I don't know what it's like. That's a great thing to admit. But I do know that the word says his grace is sufficient. Proclaim the scripture with love. Speak the truth in love and understanding and compassion in that circumstance. Question number two, are you encouraging others as you bear your thorn? This is the position that Paul was in, isn't it? If you are bearing a thorn in the flesh, encourage others. Like Paul was encouraging others. God did say no to me, but he also supplied ample grace and perfect power. And it's to his glory, it's to his honor, to his credit for making his word come alive in my life. Are you encouraging others as you bear your thorn? I consider the life and the ministry of Johnny Erickson Tata. She became paralyzed because of a diving accident from the neck down. She's a quadriplegic. That was 56 years ago. Now she's in her 70s. Why, why is that such a powerful ministry? Why, when she speaks, why, when she testifies of God's sufficient grace and abundant power, why are people listening to that? Well, because she's currently bearing that thorn, is she not? This is what she recently said. How did I ever have the strength to survive 56 years as a quadriplegic in a wheelchair? The truth is, I don't have the strength. I still wake up every morning needing God desperately. Like David, I often confess, I am poor and needy. That's from Psalm chapter 40, verse, verse 17. So as we experience this pain, as, as we have a thorn in the flesh, some of you have a thorn in the flesh, you're tempted continually to crumble, to not trust, to not see the grace and the power, to not see the, the long range, to live in the immediate, because pain is very immediate. It's right there. To live in a way that's, that's downcast and minister to one another the truth of God's word. God says that his grace is sufficient. And so does my life. Some of you can say that to one another. God says that in our weakness, his strength is made perfect. I, I know it through experience. The Lord is faithful. Are you saying that to one another? Therefore, middle of verse 9, most gladly I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I ask you another question. Why does the word say, I am strong? That really stands out to me. Why doesn't it say, when I am weak, that then God is strong? Because isn't he the mighty one? Isn't he the one that is almighty? Isn't he the one with perfect strength and perfect power? We don't have trust in people. We don't believe in ourselves, ultimately, or even each other, ultimately. He's the strong one. Why does it say, I am strong? God's power is... If, if you're a, a believer, if he's your Lord, his power is, is not in question to you. He's almighty. To believe in the power of God is one thing. It is quite another thing to accept, listen, that he sends his strength through us. Isn't it? 
God is almighty. He is all-powerful. He can do anything. But it is quite a different thing to realize and to embrace the truth that he pours his power through us, through broken vessels, and to say, I'm strong. Now, it's only because of the Lord, but I am strong because he has given me his strength. Remember, the thorn in the flesh is a messenger of Satan. And what does that messenger say? Yeah, God is powerful. He, he can do great things. But you, you're not an agent of his power. You're not an agent of his grace. You're not a vessel of, of the Lord. You are meant to live in the slums of suffering. That is the messenger of Satan. You're meant to live in the low places of infirmity. This goes back to Paul resting on the power of God or the power of God resting upon him. In this scripture, as it is applied, we are united with Christ in his sufferings and also united with Christ in the power of his resurrection. Does the word not say, I have been crucified with Christ, therefore it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God because he loved me and he gave himself for me. We read in the last two sessions ago, Philippians 3.10, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. We are identified with the sufferings of Christ. But because of that, we're also identified with the power of the resurrection of the Lord. So how does it say, why does it say, I am strong? I am strong. That's a miracle, isn't it? Because you know me. You know each other. I am strong. That truly is the Lord because you know I'm frail. This isn't the way the world measures strength. Glory be to God for the strength that you have. I am strong. There's some songs that we have worshiped with for years and years, and they state this just like it is written in the word of God. You are my hiding place, says let the weak say, I am strong in the strength of the Lord. Give thanks with a grateful heart, says, and now let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say, I am rich. How does the word say, I am strong? Now I want you to consider this. Later in this chapter, we'll be reminded that Paul was used by God to perform signs and wonders while he was in Corinth. I want you to consider this. A sick man doing the supernatural. And a man with an obvious malady performing miracles does not, not testify of the tremendous power of God. You see him, and he bears in his body the, the signs of suffering, and yet he is being used by the Lord as an apostle in such a mighty way, reaching people with his word, even reaching people with the miracles that are right from God. That's mind-boggling, the strength that the Lord poured through the life of Paul, even in his suffering, even in his infirmity. Now, what other question do you have since we're to question number four? When I read the last chunk of verses, I have a big question. What's your question? Starting in the middle of nine. How can you be glad at infirmities? Do you see when it says that? That I will be glad at infirmities, and you read on, it even says, I take pleasure in infirmities. How can that be? Is it that we're literally saying, this is great. I love suffering. It is so good to be sick. 
for the rest of my life. It's so good to be injured for the rest of my life. I'm so glad about it. Is that the end of it? How can it be that the Word of God says this? Is it possible? Oh, I need to be there. Where? How can I say that I'm glad, that I take pleasure? Only he can accomplish this in us. Oswald Sanders said this, the world's philosophy is that we can't be cured. Oh, the world's philosophy is what can't be cured must be endured. But Paul testifies that what can't be cured can be enjoyed. I enjoy weakness, sufferings, privations, and difficulties. How can it be? Well, the reason for the gladness is that the power of God is resting on him. The reason is that for the pleasure is what it produces. I know I wouldn't be this close to God. Have you said that before? Have you prayed that before? Lord, if I wasn't suffering like this, I know I, I wouldn't be this close to you. I know I wouldn't be used by you in, in the way I am now. As the book of James says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete lacking nothing. We can truly say that we rejoice in our infirmities because we know that they are producing in us the power of God. They're causing us to realize his grace in a deeper way. So we can say, I'm glad for it, Lord. I, I wanted you to take it from me, but I do see what you are producing in me through this sickness, through this weakness. I ask you, this question also, question five, do you see strength for service? Because we see here that we can be strong, that in our weakness, the Lord makes us strong. But that strength isn't for your own sake. That strength isn't for self. It's to serve. God doesn't make us strong so we can spend our strength on ourselves. He makes us strong so that we can bring glory to his name by giving to others by sacrificing for others. Now, we usually think this way, I'm suffering, I should stop. Right now, I'm hurting, so I should halt what I'm doing. That is the way we think as people most of the time. But if I think biblically, it's not that at all, is it? In my suffering, the Lord is gonna give me strength to serve with great power in my struggle. Instead of saying, I'm going to let off, I need to stop, I need to quit, look at what the Lord did and continues to do through people's lives as they are struggling, as they are hurting, as their bodies are breaking down. The Lord uses us greatly. Now, if you're measuring success according to the world's standards, you might not think it's success at all. As you press forward to serve people, because you serve God by serving people, even in your suffering, if you measure it by the volume, do you do that sometimes? I'm a volume person. How much service can I get out? If you measure it that way, it might not seem to be a success. Or if you measure your service based on how much it pleases people, do you do that sometimes? People are really happy with the way I'm serving. That's why I know it's good. If you measure your service that way, it might not seem to be a great amount. But if you measure your service how it pleases the Lord, is that the way you measure your service? Lord, does this bring delight to you? You've drawn me close to you, 
And even in my infirmity, even in my struggle and in my weakness, you are delighted. And that's why my service is successful. Not because I can produce as much as I used to, not because I, as many people are even happy with me necessarily, but you are delighted. Matthew chapter 5, verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely in my name or for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Do you see your strength for service? I hope that you do. The Lord has made you strong in the middle of your infirmity so that you can bring glory to him. We have two more questions remaining. I ask you this, question six. Have you asked for more of God's grace? Or I should put it this way. Have you requested to see more of God's grace? Have you ever prayed that before? Said, Lord, I want to understand I want to grasp. I want to dwell in your grace. I want to experience more of the fullness of your grace. Because the Bible teaches that he grows us from grace to grace. That we're saved by grace, but he also sets us apart by his grace. James chapter 4, verse 5 says, Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously, but he gives more grace. You know this verse probably. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Don't we often associate good health with pride? And we often associate struggling health with humility. Like, I'm broken. I need it. Lord, have you asked him before, show me more of your grace? Let me see it. And did you think that when you prayed that prayer, that he would show you his grace through your suffering. I've prayed that before, and I wasn't thinking in terms of, oh, that's the way you're going to show it to me? Through, through suffering? I, that's not what I was thinking, but that's what the word teaches, is that when I'm suffering, then the Lord delivers and makes available this sufficient grace. Do we think that that knowing of a greater grace may come through the thorn in the flesh? When you think of the thorn that's mentioned here, do you think of a sliver? I remember when I was a kid, I'd read about the thorn in the flesh, and I pictured, you know, what we freak out about. Have you seen a child saying, I have a sliver, and they're, they're freaking out, and it's this little tiny sticker, a little tiny piece of wood. Do you picture the thorn in the flesh being that way? Or are they just more afraid of the needle that's coming to get, to get it out of there? Do you, do you think of it like that? Well, the word for thorn here in the Greek is the same word they would use for a tent stake. It's, it's a sizable thorn. It's not something small. It's not something you just pluck out with, with a little bit of help. It's an infliction of, upon your flesh. When I think of thorns, I, I, I think of the, thorn, the crown of thorns that Jesus wore for me and for this world. That crown that was pushed on his head. It was a part of his suffering for our sins. It was part of the way he proved his love for us. Before he was nailed to a cross, before he hung there and paid the price for our sins, 
He just went through all of this berating and all of this torture for you and for me. And when we consider the thorn, and maybe the Lord has told you, no, I'm not going to remove it, but I'm going to put something there. And so we consider that thorn. It brings me back to my sin. And it brings me back to the sin of this world and what we truly deserve. Sometimes when, when one is going through dealing with a thorn on the flesh, it's just like, do I deserve this? Like, why do other people have this thorn in the flesh? Why, why aren't other people dealing with this constant pain and injury? And you start asking these questions, and I'm reminded that I don't deserve to not be pierced. I don't deserve to, to not have a thorn in my flesh. I deserve to have many thorns in the flesh. But the truth about grace is that Jesus took every one of our sins and our sorrows, and he carried them for us. Yes, and we struggle and we suffer in this life, and he teaches us through it. But eternally, if we believe in him as Lord, he's taken all that away. No more sickness, no more sorrow, no more pain. Lord Jesus, thank you for taking that at the cross, that crown of thorns. Just a picture. Everything that he endured for us, it is the suffering and it is the separation. But it's a picture of, of his love and the meaning of what he did. Don't reject that love. Don't push away that grace. He holds it out for you, and he holds it out with nail-scarred hands and says, will you take my love? Will you come? Will you be saved? Or will you continue to, in, in your pain and in your heartache without the grace to cover? I provided it for you without the power resting upon you. Charles Gabriel wrote, he took my sins and my sorrows and he made them his very own. He bore the burden to Calvary and suffered and died alone. My pardon, your pardon on the person of Jesus Christ. But his power in us because he's not in that grave anymore. He lives forevermore to make intercession for us, to make it so that bridge is intact the bridge between sinful people and a holy God. As he teaches us through our ailments, because he does teach us, as he teaches us through our infirmities, let's keep our eyes on the good news of the gospel. Lord, I'm saved. Yes, I'm struggling and I'm suffering. And I do know of this abundant grace, but I'm saved and therefore I really am good. I've been asking you guys, and you've been asking me, how are you? I'm good because of God. I'm not good because of me. I'm not necessarily good circumstantially, physically, relationally, emotionally. But because of God, he has worked a goodness in my life and in many of your lives. Let that be your response. Oh, how he holds on to us. Oh, how he delivers that grace. Today, if you're weak, receive the grace. Today, if, if you see your sin, believe. And maybe it's your physical suffering that's caused you to see your sin. Like, look at me, I'm broken. Just turn to the Lord. He's right there, ready. And he is the provider. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is the one who comes and gives to you what you just couldn't even imagine was possible. Testify to one another of that great 
grace. Let's pray together and thank him for that grace and that strength. Grace abundant. That's what you give. That's who you are, Lord. You do not measure it out in meager supply. You, you poured it out at the cross, and you continue to give us grace to move through our days, even though they're days of suffering, Lord. I thank you for the power that rests upon us, Lord. We know it's not our power. And I ask that you would teach us this early and teach us this often. I pray that you would give us the eyes to see the truth of your word. I pray for those right now specifically who are struggling, that they would continue in the service that they can offer, Lord. I pray, Lord, that it wouldn't take them away from being able to, to use their gift for your glory. Lord, I, I know that sometimes we just shirk and we, we don't know what to do, Lord. And you're just telling me my strength is made perfect in your weakness. You're telling me what, that when we're weak, then we're strong. And so I, I pray for those that are, that are in that, Lord, that they would, would know that you want to use them, that it's not time yet. There will come a day when it's time, but it's not time yet. I, I pray for those that are trying to deal with their pain in-house, Lord. They're just like, they don't know what to do with it, and they're dealing with their sin, they're dealing with their sickness, their suffering, their struggles, and they're, they're just overwhelmed. I pray that today would be the day that they bring you their sin and their sorrow, and they lay it down at your feet and just say, Jesus, you, you paid for all of it. Why am I carrying it? Be my Lord. I, I pray for that decision, Lord, that that we would come around them and show them that it's of you. It's your work. I, I thank you for meeting us right where we are, Lord, for being the God who's very realistic, not just idealistic, Lord, but for being a God who really knows where we are and teaches us how to walk, walk through it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.